so much. Grateful to have Jen and our team leading the way. As our kids uh, leave, we also want to have funds as adults too. So uh, coming up in March, uh, we are offering a marriage conference called Resist the Drift. And it just, it's pretty, it's pretty evident, moving from roommates to soulmates. So if you want to rekindle that love that you had with your spouse, maybe that's drifted a little bit, uh, we would love to have you that weekend. You can text the word marriage to that number on the screen and you can sign up. It's $100 per couple. Um, and all of this information is in your welcome program. The QR code for camp, all of these things are in there so you can see it. But we would love to have you at the marriage conference. I know my wife and I are really excited to go as well. And finally, I want to tell you about this amazing opportunity for Huron Schools. Uh, Beth Fisher has been leading what we call Adopt-A-School, which is through uh, Dr. Tony Evans, who you may have heard on Moody Radio if you listen to him. And uh, he's been really instrumental in partnering with schools to be able to just show people the love of God just by serving them. And so Beth is meeting with anybody in C2, which is across the way, who wants to come alongside and partner with Huron. That's the only school around here that's doing this, and they're doing such a great job. And some of the things that they need are uh, reading with students, tutoring, joining students for breakfast, just to encourage them and get to know them. A lot of students that come to school, they're sad and down because of life. Maybe be a great partner for them. Committing to pray for a classroom. Praying after school in the building three times a year. Donuts and devotions with staff members. You can lead a devotion if you want. And then things they are dreaming about. Mentorship, teacher encouragement, helping students with test preparation, and starting a club uh, and sharing your special interests with them. And so if that's something that God's leading you to do, this is such a great way to partner with the schools and just to show people, hey, we're a, we're a church for the community. So make sure to head over to C2 afterwards and see Beth, okay? How we want to start this morning is, uh, you may not want to do this, that's okay, but if you want to play along with me, that would be awesome. But I want to ask you to just close your eyes for a few moments. If you're going to fall asleep, keep them open, but everybody else, close your eyes. I want you to imagine this scene, so go here with me. I want you to imagine the scene where Jesus is on the cross. I want you to imagine Jesus' mother and aunt watching him being beaten and hung on the cross. I want you to imagine the soldiers beneath Jesus. They are mocking him, gambling over his clothes, acting like he's just another person. I want you to imagine the crowd growing and growing as they try to figure out who is this king of the Jews. As you're there, a gospel writer, John, says Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill the scriptures, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, and so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Keep your eyes closed. What do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel? You can open your eyes. As Paul's writing a letter to the people in the Galatian churches, he's reminding them of this scene. 
And he's going to tell them, as you'll see in a moment, that it's so easy to forget about this scene. That it's something that we put our faith in when we believed in Christ and then we forget about it all throughout our days. What the Apostle Paul is going to show us and challenge us today is what would happen if we carried this scene, those words, it is finished, into our everyday lives. How would it change it through the power of the Spirit? So open your Bibles to Galatians 3, verse 1. We'll put it on the screen for you here. And I want to just read it with you. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of death on the cross. Now when he says foolish, it's actually a stronger word than this in the Greek. It literally means idiot. (laughs) Paul's like, guys, you're moronic. You're idiotic right now. You're foolish. What are you doing? I need to take you back to when you believed in Christ. It was as if you were there, a picture of the gospel. You heard, you saw, you heard Jesus utter the words, it is finished. And you've forgotten about those words. It's as if you keep it in the past. I put my faith in Jesus, but now I'm doing it my own strength. And he calls that foolish. It's the same thing with you and I. I remember when I said yes to following Jesus, I remember someone telling me about this scene. I was imagining this scene as if I was there, just like Paul said, it was as, as if you were there. And then so quickly we can drift from that. So quickly we can go and do things in our own strength. It's the reason why so many of us say we follow Jesus and we read and we pray and we give and we do all these things and that's great. But we don't see any life change. Our relationships are still stuck. We're still in the same sin. We keep falling into temptation. We keep doing the same things over and over again. Even though we believe in Jesus, it's as if we stop believing in the power of the cross. And so Paul, he goes on to say this. Let me ask you this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. He reminds them about how they used to approach God. They used to follow the law. They used to obey the rules. And he said, how did that, how did that work for you? Where did it get you? You received the spirit of Christ, not when you followed the rules and did the right things, but when you trusted in what Christ did. When you heard the words, it is finished. That's when you and the Holy Spirit came together and he is now living in you and through you. Now, I know that can seem really mystical and weird, the Holy Spirit. Now, Paul is going to expound on the Holy Spirit throughout the rest of Galatians, but just for a few moments, let me explain to you who the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit is a trinity. It's part of the trinity, I should say. It's God is one, but God is also three persons in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so often we talk about the Father and we talk about Jesus, but we rarely talk about the Holy Spirit. And yet it's Jesus who said, it is good for me to leave. Like, I know we have a great relationship here, but I need to go. And they're like, don't go, we need you. And he's like, don't you worry. I'm going to send somebody, an advocate for you, a friend to you, someone to lead your life that will not only lead the body of Christ, but will lead you individually. And it's the Holy Spirit. And he will empower you. 
He will help you do things you never thought you could do. He will help you love people you never thought you could love. He will help you forgive people you never thought you could forgive. He's going to help you become the person that you were always meant to be, which is the greatest version of yourself, which is becoming like Christ. This part of your life that you don't like, these parts of your life that you don't like, he wants to transform those and change those. It comes from the Spirit. But then Paul says this. He says, well, how foolish can you be then? For after starting your new lives in the Spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? Let me ask you again. Does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obeyed the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard about Christ. And I want to focus on these two questions in the beginning. Again, how foolish can you be? How idiotic, moronic can you be? Because you started out by trusting in what Jesus has done for you on the cross. And when he did that, do you remember the sweet fellowship that you had with him? Do you remember how things began to change? Do you remember how you started to see things differently and experience things differently? You were living life by the Spirit. He was indwelling you, living through you, doing things in you and through you that you could have never done on your own. Remember how amazing that was? And what happened? Why did it stop? Why did you stop living by the Spirit? And Paul says here, instead going by your own human effort. Here's how this goes. We put our trust in Jesus. Yes, he died on the cross. It is finished. Thank God for that. And then after a while, we drift and we start to live our own lives in our own strength. We may pray. We may read the Bible. We may give. We may do all of these things that... We're supposed to do, but when it comes to our everyday lives, who's truly leading our lives? Who's in control? Most of the times, God's in control when we need him. We go to God when we need him to bless us, when he should help us out, but all the other decisions, all the other ways of our lives, we lead it. Paul says it's foolish. He's not saying that because he's mean. He's saying that because he loves us. And he loves us enough to say, look, you keep going down this path. You keep leading your own life. It's going to lead back into the prison cell that God freed you from. I want you to think about it in this room. How many of us started so strong in our faith? Maybe you were a kid, could be an adult, and things were just great. Even when life was hard, you were one on one with Christ. He was living, leading your life, and he was living in you, and you were letting him lead every part of you. Then after a while it gets dry, or after a while it gets boring, or after a while it doesn't matter. I think it's probably because we've said to the Spirit, hey, you gave us a place in heaven, great, now I'm going to lead my own life. There's many of us that have been freed from prison, and we've gone willingly back in and shut the door. Or we were drowning, and Christ saved us, and we jumped back into the water. We settle for a life that we do in our own strength, and we all know what happens when we do that. So Paul, he, he says this. I want to give you an example of how you can do this. So if you're like me, you're like, okay, if I have drifted, if I am leading in my own strength, how do I do this? What does it look like? And Paul goes, here, I'll give you an example. You can put that on the screen. Galatians 3, 6. It says, in the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because 
of his faith. Now, this is Genesis 15, 6 that Paul is quoting. The, the Galatians would have known a lot about Abraham, and maybe you do too, but just in case you don't, Galatians 15, 6 is talking about Abraham, who would, he would eventually, through Abraham, birth a nation, a great nation, and through this great nation would come salvation and forgiveness for all people. And that sounded really great, but here's the thing. Abraham, he was an idol worshiper which meant he worshipped all of these little gods over here, not worshipping the true God, Yahweh. And God goes to him one day and says, Hey, Abraham, why don't you start worshipping me? Why don't you follow me? And it changes Abraham's life. And then he says, I'm going to birth a nation through you. But when he said this, his wife Sarah, she, she laughed. Do you want to know why? Abraham was 99 years old and Sarah was 90. There are doctors in this room that can explain it probably better than me. Let me say it in a, in a really easy way. I think that's pretty darn impossible. <laughs> Abraham and Sarah were beyond childbearing years. It was impossible for them to birth a child. That's why Sarah laughed and like, hey, God, by the way, when you were in school, I don't know about you, but you missed this part in science where it says, uh, my body has shut down. I can't do that anymore. And Sarah laughed, but... Abraham believed. He trusted. He put his faith in. Again, think about this. Abraham, you are, going to, you are going to be a father of nations even though you're 99 years old. And he could have been like, that is so bizarre. That's so crazy. I can't believe it. But he believes it. And not only did he believe it, he kept believing that God can do the impossible through him. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It was continuing to believe every day, no matter what happened, that God would do what he said he would do. And because of that, it says God counted him as righteous. Now, that word counted sim similar, um, simply means the same as. I showed my kids a, a, one of my favorite movies recently. It's uh, the movie Blank Check. Anyone ever watched the movie Blank Check before? All right, four of you. Let me explain the movie then. It's a great movie. I am going to spoil it for you, so if you don't want a spoiler, you can just leave. It's from the 90s, so hopefully um, it's not too much of a spoiler, but Blank Check was one of my favorite, favorite um, movies growing up. See, this, this kid, he wanted money, just like all kids want money. And because he couldn't get his own money, he was trying to beg his parents, maybe get a job and, and go through that. Well, one day, he was out riding his bike, and his bike was behind a car, and the car backed up and ran over his bike. And he's a little kid, so he's devastated. And this guy, he comes out, and he doesn't know what to do because he ran over a kid's bike, but then he sees he's in trouble with the law, so he's conflicted. So he gets his checkbook out, and he writes a blank check, signs it, and then gives it to him. Well, this kid is standing there with his blank check, and he's so disappointed, like, there's no money. <laughs> like, it looks like there's zero. But then he starts to think about it. And so he goes onto his Apple Macintosh computer, when that was really popular in the 90s. And he goes and he manipulates the check, and it says in the check, a million dollars. He writes this check, he takes it to the bank, and he knows it's not going to work. So he hands the check to this banker. This banker's looking at him, looking at him, looking at him, looking at him, like, this isn't going to be right. And this, this kid's getting up to walk away because he knows he's caught. And all of a sudden, he hears the banker open up the vault and starts to put a million dollars into the kid's backpack. Now this kid, he has nothing. He has a check, but a check with a name signed on it. And with that signature came a million dollars. And this kid, he spent it all. Spoiler alert, he lost it all like a kid probably would if they had a million dollars. But he learns life lessons in the end, okay? 
But when I, when I think of that story, I think about this is exactly what's happening with Abraham and with us. This kid comes with nothing, but because there's a signature on the check that is this man's signature, the bank says it's as good as if it's cash and gives him the money. And with us, with Jesus, we come to Jesus with nothing. And actually, I take that back, we do come with something. We come with our past, come with our guilt, we come with our shame, we come with things that we wish we didn't do. And, and when we give those to Jesus, in return, he gives us himself. His name is on the check, and because of that, he gives us everything, and he gives us this title, this title of righteousness, which is a title that Jesus himself has. We get that title, and with that title changes our whole identity. We have everything that we need in God because of Christ, because he gave us what we didn't deserve. We came with nothing, and God, he gave us everything, and that changes everything. And Abraham, he believed God, he trusted God, and kept trusting him day by day. And then, of course, because Abraham believed, his old body was given the ability to reproduce, and through Abraham, all the way through the nations came a man named Jesus who hung on the cross, who for all eternity whispered the words, it is finished. Meaning the old life that you lived is gone. It's finished. Now new life is available to you. All of these things happened with a man who believed God and kept believing God. It wasn't a one-time thing. This was a daily grind of trusting God when people laughed, when people made fun of him, when it seemed impossible. He kept trusting every day. Just like Abraham, if we ask the question, what does he actually accomplish on his, in his own strength? He accomplishes nothing in his own strength. He can't do anything. But he comes to Christ, and, be, and through him, through God, he can do everything. And it's because of the words that Jesus uttered for us, it is finished. This is not a one-time thing where we say yes to following Jesus and we forget about that. It has the power to defeat sin and the power of sin in our life so that we can become the very people that we want. But like Paul said, if you're going to do it in your own effort, good luck. It's foolishness to ever think you can do that. But you let the Spirit lead your life, look out. You keep trusting him like Abraham did day by day, it will change things and you will become a different person. And so I'm going to invite the worship team out just to lead in a song. But before we do that, I just want to go through just a few scenarios of what happens if you live life by your own effort or through the God's spirit. In your marriage or even in your singleness, you approach it in your own strength. So should your marriage, then you're going to be like me at times. That when I am truly calling the shots and I'm in control, I treat Paula sometimes like an enemy. And not like my beloved, my favorite person in the world, my wife. But when I am truly following the Spirit, and I'm surrendering myself to Him, I can serve my wife and love my wife unconditionally. It doesn't matter how she treats me, because it's not about that. I can see her through God's eyes. Same thing in your singleness. When you approach it through your own effort, you're going to always be striving for the next person or for the perfect person. But if you can live through God's spirit, you realize that all you have is in God. Paul even said, I would rather remain single. Probably because marriage is hard, but also because he, he developed this sweet intimacy with Christ as if he is his own spouse. To overcome temptation. You and I know we're going to change tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes. 
in our own strength. Just talked to someone after the nine o'clock service. She's back in the area. She was addicted to drugs, but she's back with her grandparents, and she told me, I can't do it on my own. I have to do it with help. I have to do it with God. And you should just see the radiant face that she had. I'm so proud of her. She tried it on her own. She said she failed a lot, but Christ is helping her more than she ever could ever imagine. To follow God's will for our lives, we know if we have a choice where we want to go, we will go that way even if God says no. But if you're like me, every time I've gone against God's will in my own life, it has gotten me in places where I wish I'd never been. Now, God's a redeemer, and he can get us back, but it's so much easier to just to say yes to where God's saying yes and to say no where he says no. Or to share about Jesus at work. If you're really living in your own strength, you're going to be an undercover Christian where you're going to go to church, and it's going to be very private. But if you're living through the Spirit, you will talk about Jesus because you know he is the key to eternal life, and you want everybody to know it. And if people think you're crazy, if people think whatever about you, you don't care because your worth is in Christ because you are his righteousness. See how that works? It's your identity now. You don't have to find it in somebody else. You find it in him. Or to trust when things are uncertain or to find joy in the difficulty of life. Thinking about my friend Todd right now, Todd and Lisa battling this horrible situation with Carter. Getting texts this weekend from him of how hard it has been. But I know for Todd and for Lisa and for the girls, underneath it all, there is peace. There is joy. Not because of the circumstances, because if you go by the circumstances, they should just be done. But underneath it all, they trust they trust, they believe, they know that God is in control even if it doesn't turn out the way that they want. You can only get that when God's spirit is in you and working through you, you're trusting him day by day. From the morning we wake up and it should say to the, to, until we take our very last breath, you have a choice. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. And what he means by that is give me your life and I will give you everything that you need to live life according to my plan for you. He promises to be our cornerstone. So stand with us this morning. Let's sing that out loud together.